The information contained in this podcast is an expression of opinion and does not constitute investment advice. This is the Gold Money Podcast with Dominic Frisby, keeping you up to date with expert opinion on precious metals and the markets. Hello and welcome to the Gold Money Podcast, hosted in association with Frisbee's Bulls and Bears, with me, Dominic Frisbee. It is February the 11th, and I'm talking to Jordan Roy Byrne, who goes under the name of Trends Man on the internet. He's a chartered market technician and the publisher and writer of the Daily Gold Premium, a publication which emphasizes market timing and stock selection for the sophisticated investor. And you can find more information on that at thedailygold.com. From 2010 to 2012, the Daily Gold Premium model portfolio was up 131% compared to GDX, which was up only 5%, and GDXJ, which was down 11%. And in 2012, the model portfolio was up 32%, making it arguably one of the top-performing gold and silver stock newsletters. Jordan... Thanks very much for coming on the show. That's a pretty impressive performance, uh, given what happened in the broader markets last year. How did you achieve that? Well, Dominic, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's a real pleasure. And uh, it's interesting because when I started out my newsletter, uh, and, and, and well before that, when I started investing in this bull market in the companies, um, my, I mean, of course, my, my, my strength, my background is in technical analysis because I believe you can just see so many so many relationships, so many trends, so many things that are going on if you know how to look at charts properly. But what's interesting is I, I realized um, at the end of 2011 that um, the reason I, 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 my performance was it was mostly because of stock picking and not market timing. So that's something I really focus on in 2012. And, and that's something that I focused on um, back when I first started investing in this sector. I, I mean, of course, I look at so many charts every day. I love that. But I, I, what, for, for my own money, I was really focused on, focusing on picking, you know, finding the best stocks and, you know, looking at fundamentals and then kind of using uh, technicals to, to get proper entry points. So in, in the last several years, it's, I mean, I, I would attribute uh, the vast majority of my success to picking the right stocks. I mean, going back to 2010, um, you know, we were fortunate to have First Majestic Silver, which had that monstrous move. And then in 2011, um, I was pretty much out of silver. So e even though I was still recommending some gold stocks uh, when we began a cyclical bear market, um, I was out of mostly exploration and mostly silver stocks. So that kind of limited losses um, when when the market was really weak. And going back to 2012, um, we were fortunate to, um, one of the stocks that we were in was actually, I think it was the top performing gold stock on the TSX big board. Um, and there was another one, I don't want to mention the name, but we got into it about, it's a producer, and we got into it about um, a month or two before. Um, it, it I think it almost tripled in a couple of months. So uh, those things uh, really help the performance. So um, it's interesting, you know, coming at this originally being a technical guy, I realized that it, it, well, it's interesting because if you're looking at producers, I think um, 
what I like to call producers and growth-oriented companies and also royalty companies. We had a, a couple of those in our portfolio over the last couple of years, so that obviously helped. I think when you're looking at those types of companies, um, you have to pick the, the, uh, the, the best ones or the highest quality ones, and they're going to consistently rise uh, with the bull market. So what I like to say is uh, when you're focusing on the growth-oriented producers or the royalty companies, Stock picking there is far more important than market timing. But when you're looking at non-producing companies, non-cash flow companies, um, exploration companies, development companies, obviously timing there is, is very important because you could, if you pick something at the wrong time, then hold on to it for a year, 18 months, you can get killed, as we all know. I've got about three questions that came into my mind that I wanted to ask you at once there. But just starting with the issue of market timing, um, I have a – I mean, I – have an indicator that I use to follow the CDNX and um, it's just a simple trend following method and it doesn't get you in at the top and it doesn't get you out at the bottom but it catches broader trends and I've found you know if you and it's just using moving average crosses but I've found that you know it's it's almost more important either be in this market or don't be in it because when you get one of those periods of decline such as we saw last year and this year um, and such as we saw in 2008, it doesn't almost doesn't matter what you own. You just don't want to be in the market. And um, but and then, you know, once you've decided that it is a time to be in the market, once you have a buy signal, then, you know, even some of these rotten dogs rise. So. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. And I mean, in, in 2012, I found that the you know, one of the best performing sectors to be in has been the royalty companies. Right, yeah, those those were obviously. Um, I mean, there's not that many royalty stocks, so it does, no. I guess it doesn't it doesn't hurt me to say the names. But you know, Sandstorm was one. I was fortunate to find that. Yeah, uh, I think I think in late 2010, and that was one obviously with Nolan Watson coming on board, and it had a it had a decent chart. You know, it had a decent trend, and I figured you know this is going to be a strong performer. That this looks like it could be a, a quality quality company a quality position and then franco nevada was one i think we bought that in in the bottom um i think it was maybe there was a bottom in october november yeah maybe it was i think it was october 2011 we bought that one and i remember early in 2012 like that was one of the only profitable positions we had like everything else was down yeah um, except except franco and probably sandstorm too so the royal the royalty companies are definitely um you know, th those are ones that are very reliable, and those are ones that you you have to buy on uh, weakness. You know, those strong performing stocks. That's the time to get into those. Is 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 when they're weak. For example, like right now, or you know, perhaps we might, if we see a bottom in the sector in the next you know couple weeks, then the royalty companies. Those are. I mean, it, we could be at a time where people could start to build positions in those and and buy them at levels where they're not chasing them. Okay, Jordan, I think we've got away with it so far, but we're not actually allowed to uh, uh, recommend um, individual stocks on the show, and we have to be kind of careful about mentioning individual companies. So, I th like I say, we've just we've only said that certain companies have done well, so we're all right so far. But just just be careful going forward with with individual names. But just talking about now one little sector uh, of the market that strikes me as particularly cheap. That's not to say it can't get cheaper. That is uh, the development companies. So companies that are found an asset, they're developing it, they're drilling it out, they're moving towards building a mine. Um, I guess these companies have been annihilated because they don't have any cash flow. 
And in fact, they're just sitting on a liability, which is that they've got to spend, you know, X million dollars to, to get this thing into production. And nobody wants to lend them uh, or, or, or uh, give them X million dollars through the issuance of stock. So these, the, the, this sector of the, the junior development company is perhaps the cheapest and most beaten up sector of all. Yes, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And it, it, I, I think in general, it's a very tough sector because I think I'm sure you and most of your listeners are aware of that development curve. Uh, I think Brent Cook was one of the first people to produce that chart where you see where the company makes a great discovery and then, you know, it makes that huge run. And, and again, this is coming back to the, the, the point where, where I said that timing uh, is extremely important with buying these types of companies. And we're at a point right now where we're, what, 12 years into this bull market. And so a lot of these development companies are probably at the bottom of that development curve where their deposits are maybe one, two, three years away from production. And so you're, you're looking at, um, as far as long-term timing, I, I think they're at the right point to uh, start taking a serious look at them. And I think the ones that have a, a lot of cash um, that were able to finance at much higher prices, uh, those are the ones... Uh, you know, provided they have a deposit that looks like it can go into production and, you know, it's in a good jurisdiction and all of that. I mean, I think those are really intriguing situations. Very good. Now, I want to address an article that you wrote on uh, February the 8th, so two or three days ago. Um, and it was called The Truth on Gold Stocks versus Gold. And um, I mean, why don't you outline the kind of the main themes of that article? It was it was not wildly bullish um, about gold stocks generally, and it was pretty dismissive about the performance of gold stocks in the 1970s relative to gold. Yeah, it was. And if you, what's interesting about the 70s is the the gold stocks began a bull market in 1960, but gold didn't come free trading until 1971. So that ratio is real you 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 have to take i guess those first 11 years you could say take it with a grain of salt um but even after that there was a little pop i think from um 72 to 74 but even in the last 6 years of the bull market from 1974 to 1980 that ratio trended down so in that 6 years the gold stocks uh underperformed gold and what's so interesting is Looking at this relationship, I mean, it, it doesn't make a huge amount of difference whether you're in a secular bull or a secular bear. I mean, as we know, Newmont is pretty much at the same price that it was in 1996. And it's hilarious because gold is up substantially since then. And you would think uh, any gold company, uh, any major gold company would have its uh, share price much higher uh, given the, the bull market in gold. And so what's it, what's basically to get to the point... The, there's no track record of the large miners outperforming gold in a secular bull market. So all these people who keep pulling out their XAU versus gold charts and saying, "Oh, well, this is this means it's a buy. This means they're cheap." That might be true, uh, you know, looking over the over the next year, eighteen months. But if we're if we're, I mean, four or five years from today, I'm I'm fairly certain that uh, that XAU versus gold chart is going to be at an even lower point. And so. Um, you know, and, and the second point is basically if you want to outperform 
gold. You have to be a stock picker and you really need to look towards the junior producers or, you know, what I said earlier, what I like to call growth oriented producers. And you could also throw the royalty companies in there. And, and these are the types of companies because they have growing cash flow that are going to be consistently leveraged to gold. And what I found was during the cyclical bull market, um, a basket of junior gold producers outperformed gold at a fairly nice clip. But once you got into a cyclical bear, um, you know, th- those companies, they uh, underperformed once again. So, I mean, h- how do we apply that going forward? I mean, not giving advice, but um, if you do believe a cyclical bull is going to start fairly soon, as I do, um, then a lot of these stocks will probably outperform gold uh, pretty nicely. Uh, but once you get deeper into a cyclical bull, then that's when um, the stocks start to lose that relative strength uh, and, and, and gold outperforms. So you really, you really, I mean, with the second point, you really have to be a stock picker and look for those companies that uh, can grow their cash flow. Yeah, if you look at the period coming out of the crash of 2008, um you know, gold stocks outperformed gold pretty much for all of 2009, uh, right up to, and then we had a kind of fantastic 2010, and it kind of, in many ways, I know the, 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 it kind of peaked in about December 2010 from my experience, although I think the CDNX actually peaked in the spring of 2011. But gold carried on going up until September 2011 when it hit that high of $1,920 an ounce. So that would suggest that, yeah, the, the, the one doesn't necessarily follow the other. And if you go back to actually the 1980s as well, in many ways the reverse happened. Gold made that huge peak in 1980 uh, of $850, but the, the Huey actually went higher, made two or three higher highs in the 1980s while gold was declining. So, yeah, there's a, there's, they don't necessarily correlate, and, and uh, as counterintuitive as that may be. Um, so yeah, so you you are saying you're pretty bullish, Jordan, about the gold stocks at the moment. You've made um, several pronouncements in your writing that you, that you think we're 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 nearing a low. Why do you think that? Well, I'll try and I'll try and be as brief as I can. But I think if you look since that peak that you uh, alluded to that we saw in, in summer 2011, we've kind of seen a decoupling where. Uh, conventional stocks and in the equity markets have advanced very nicely. Um, I don't have the percentage figures with me, but I mean, since that point, I think the S and P is up twenty five percent, or it might be up thirty percent. And since the same point in time, the gold stocks are down uh, about thirty percent, while the gold and silver are down about ten to fifteen percent. So, um, what basically we we've seen that decoupling, and and what that means is we're going to have to. Um, start to see more problems in the economy and in the conventional markets. And I think it's going to take some time for those to happen. Um, I, I think those will probably come to the surface later this year. Uh, but looking at the S&P 500, um, I think it can go up a little bit more, but we're basically nearing a point looking at the sentiment indicators uh, and also that technical resistance there close to 1600. Looking at those things, I think we're seeing the end of that trend. And so as far as the very short term, you have that very strong support there at 39.40 on GDX. And I mean, I do have a lower target of 35, which if you actually connect, um, if you use a closing price and, and you connect uh, the, the bull market 
or I should say the bear market low in 2000 with the low in 2008, it does come very close to 35. I actually did that with the Huey, and I think it's around 340 or so, and then I mirrored that to get 35 with the GDX. So um, I, I think we have very strong support there, and as we know, sentiment is very negative. But, um, I mean, if, so, if, if the S&P moves down from here, it, it's going to take gold stocks down with it, isn't it? Actually, actually, I disagree with that, because the, gold, the S&P has mo- moved up very well, as I said in the last year and a half, and the gold stocks have actually gone down. So I'm not I'm not saying that every you know every day or every week you look at there's going to be a negative correlation. But what I'm looking for is the the gold. I mean, if the the gold stocks are the only sector right now that uh, is quite oversold, and so we've we've seen uh, you know either a, a decoupling or a reverse correlation, and if the S and P um, starts to run into trouble, I think you're going to see gold get a bid. And uh, looking at the gold stocks, um, I think they're going to bounce from that 3940 uh, double bottom that we had in 2012. And there are some similarities between uh, the 2004, 2005 low and the 2012 and potential 2013 low. There's not a, a whole lot of similarities, but there are some a few similarities there. So, I mean, I realize it's a it's a difficult call to make because things have been so terrible for a while. But um, I, I actually believe that if the S and P you know blows through and goes to new highs, I think that would be in the very short term. I think that'd be negative for the gold stocks. Okay, my my kind of um, interpretation has been when the S and P's been rising, when the broader markets have been rising, gold stocks have been flat or they've risen gently, but when the S&P's gone through a down period, gold stocks have been absolutely annihilated. So the the general kind of direction has been the same, it's just the magnitudes that have been so different. Are are you kind of looking for something where perhaps, say, the S&P's flat, gold stocks rise, and if the S&P falls, gold stocks, you know, fall just a little bit, perhaps a scenario like that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, well... Getting back to what I said before, I mean, I'm I'm looking more at if you just look over the last year and a half, you can see that uh, that decoupling. It's it's a decoupling on a long term scale. And what's interesting is if you look at the bull market in the 70s, we had we had something similar from 1972 all the way through 1977. It's it's very interesting that the gold stocks actually surged. Um, as the equity market was falling into a pretty bad bear market. And then when the uh, recession was over uh, and the equity market recovered, the gold stocks started trending down. But So that's kind of what I see. But And getting back to what you just said, I, I think we're setting up for maybe a 20% uh, to 25% cyclical bear market in the S&P over the next uh, year and a half to two years in, in, in something that... Um, it's something that people are not going to say it's a cyclical bear market right away. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that would gradually happen. And I think that's the best environment for gold because if the economy remains strong and the equity market goes to new highs and holds it, which I don't think is going to happen, but if that did happen, I mean, then gold would be, you know, everyone would be throwing in the towel on gold and the gold stocks. And, you know, they would say, oh, well, it's, you know, the secular bull market is over. So, um, I mean, that's why I believe we really need to see some pain there obviously not major pain and that would be bad but if we just kind of see that 20 to 25 percent decline over the next couple of years uh i i think that the gold stocks would be able to perform very well in that environment because everything you look at all, all these stock sectors have done so well the sentiment on those is bullish and then you have the gold stock sitting all by themselves 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's not just the golds. It's all junior resource stocks, isn't it, really? Right, right. And what, and, and what those need is we obviously need to see uh, gold break out. And I think the metals technically look really, really healthy. And I mean, what my forecast, which I mean, could change, but I'm actually looking for a lot of consolidation. I mean, I am looking for the short-term rally into the spring, but I don't think we're going to break 1800 on gold or 35 on silver just because the, the, the shares are just so weak. I mean, they're, they're going to start to, I think at the end of the summer, you'll see the shares start to show some strength. And then at that point, it'll kind of telegraph uh, this major breakout um, in both of the metals. And looking at that base on gold, I mean, I, I think it's actually more bullish if we continue to consolidate for another six months or so. Because what you would see, uh, provided gold breaks above 1800, I mean, you would see a really explosive breakout that would have legs, you know, well past 2000. So to sum it up quickly, I think we see a short-term rally into the spring and, and then some more weakness and then, you know, possibly uh, or potentially a, a breakout in the third quarter. Okay, very good. Um, and uh, I presume that applies to gold. I agree. I mean, it's gold is making a lovely long-term base. And what is the saying? The, the bigger the base, the greater the race or something like that, I understand, is the saying. And, and uh, But um, I have to say, I quite like gold here. And I, I think... Um, Particularly, I, I really like gold against the pound and gold against the dollar. Yeah, it's it's maybe another month or so of sideways movement, and then I think the moving averages will be in a golden alignment. No, I, I absolutely agree, and and actually, the the most uh, well, I shouldn't say actually, but as you said, the most bullish consolidations are when you're consolidating in a tight base for a very long amount of time. And I, I wrote an article about that, looking at all the breakouts in gold. In the 2005 breakout, uh, it wasn't a perfect consolidation, but the, the trading from 04 to 05 was very tight. And then you had a really explosive move. So I think we're going to see a breakout like that. Or I should say, if we do get the breakout, it's going to be like that and, and less like uh, the other breakouts we've seen. Absolutely. And, and the other thing I like about bases, long bases, is that you can make your guess about which direction the market's headed in next. And if you're wrong, it's pretty easy to manage risk. Um, but anyway, Jordan, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for coming on the show and, and uh, for coming on at such short notice. You're actually in uh, on the west coast of the state. So I, it's, uh, I said at the beginning of the show, this is February the 11th. But for you, it's, it's February the 10th, very late at night. But uh, as we close, why don't you give out your website and uh, some more information about how listeners can get hold of you? Uh, listeners can go to the dailygold.com and they also can email me at jordan at the dailygold.com. That's great stuff. Jordan Roy Byrne, um, it's a real pleasure talking to you. And once again, that website is the dailygold.com. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Subscribe to the Gold Money newsletter at www.goldmoney.com to receive email updates on new articles, videos, and iTunes podcasts from our Gold Research section. Gold.